everyone and welcome to a brand new Adidas UK podcast. To celebrate the launch of the new ex-ghosted football boot, we're talking to some of the players that will be wearing the boot on the pitch this season. I'm joined by Jermaine Genus and Erin Cuthbert. How are you both? Jermaine, how are you? I'm all good. Excellent. Erin? Very well. That was so much fun listening to one matter. Yeah, he was amazing, wasn't he? It was almost like he gave us a, a how to be a world-class footballer and a world-class person as well. You can't teach what he's got. Erin, what can people look forward to over the course of the next 45 minutes? Yeah, just listening to about that night in Munich, hearing the competition that he had at Valencia when he joined and, and even Chelsea was really, really remarkable. So it's definitely an exciting listen for sure. Enough from us. Let's hear from the main man himself, One Matter. Welcome to the Adidas X podcast, Juan. It's such a pleasure to have you here. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? So, Erin's got a bit of a challenge for you to kick us off. So, Okay, Juan, straight away. All right. We don't start easy here, so we're going to get straight into it with a challenge for you. Okay. Instead of us reading your introduction of your career, we thought you'd let you do it for us. So, you've got 60 seconds to give us a summary of your life. When you're ready, 60 seconds, go. Hello, my name is Juan Mata. I'm a Spanish football player. I was born in Burgos uh, because my dad used to be a professional football player. I was raised in Asturias, north coast of Spain. My first club playing football was called La Fresneda and then who went to the stadio. And when I was 15, after playing for Real Oviedo, my home team, I moved to Madrid. So I played in the Real Madrid Academy for four years before I, mo I moved to Valencia. It was my first uh, professional experience in La Liga in Spain. I played four years in Valencia and after that I moved to England, first uh, to London to play for Chelsea for two and a half years. And now I've been for over six years living in Manchester, playing for Manchester United. Off the field, I have 10 seconds to go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I, I'm just... Uh, a lucky guy, a normal guy that plays football, that had the chance to change countries and change culture and learn, for example, a new language thanks to football, English. Um, I'm curious about life, about other things rather than Is that time? football. Is that time? Um, That's 60 I'm seconds. Very, I'm, I am very bad at explaining myself quick and short. Well, you, you, you didn't even win a trophy one. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear all uh, those trophies. What happened to all those trophies you won? Yeah, I give forgot yourself... about them already. <laughs> <laughs> no, you I, did well. I need another minute for the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. We need answer. more than that. We need yeah. the rest of the pod. You've won so much. And we'll get into all of that. The best place to start is your upbringing. Because you mentioned it there. The fact that your dad played football must have been an early inspiration for you in terms of getting you on the right path from an early stage. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I remember myself and my sister going to watch my dad playing football. Um going to his trainings, training with him and his teammates, like, for example, the kids of my teammates now when they when they bring them to the training ground. So definitely he was a, an inspiration. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to play in La Liga, in the first division in Spain, something that he couldn't do. He played in second division for many years and got promoted twice, but he was very unlucky because he, he could not make his debut in, in La Liga. So that was one of my dreams, but definitely my my father, my mom, and my family were very, very important for me to have become a professional football player because they let me be. 
myself. They let me make my choices with their advice and learn also from from mistakes. What what was he like, one in terms of like when you was younger? Was he kind of pushy? Was there some tough moments between you two? Did you clash at any stage? I am very lucky because no, he was not pushy at all. He was one of these parents that uh, comes and watch my games, but is by himself or with my mom just watching the game and that's it. Uh, unfortunately, I had some teammates, and I'm sure you know that so many parents go to see their kids and instead of encourage them and motivating them, they actually. Yeah you know, make things worse for them with they put a lot of pressure and if they don't score a goal or if they don't perform it's it's too early to put that much pressure in into a kid. So I was very lucky uh, for that um, from my parents because the, as I said before they let me be. That's very important when you are twelve, thirteen, fourteen yeah. and you dream about becoming a professional football player, that you don't have too much pressure on yourself because sometimes that can go against you. I I, I totally agree with you because I feel like in modern football, you know, parents are putting so much pressure on their kids that they're actually trying to live the dream through them. So I feel like, you know, the fact that your father had only played in the second division in La Liga, was he trying to live his dream through you? And I think it's amazing that he's actually been supportive. It's, it's so nice to see a sort of refreshing outlook from you of what your family was like growing up. And I think we need more of that. My dad played football when I was young and he played like in the non-league games, you know, when the FA Cup starts when yeah. and those non-league yeah. teams play. So my dad played for those teams. He was a coach, so he was always very kind of like on me every single game. And it yeah. was nice when I, you know, I finally got into the Premier League to be able to turn to my dad and go, you was okay, dad. <laughs> you weren't bad. Don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> As everyone yeah. was saying, start to kind of see these dreams become a reality that he would have loved to have achieved himself? Yeah, I think so. And I have to accept that, for example, when I was living in Oviedo in Asturias, playing for Real Oviedo was like winning the Champions League for me. And at the time it was like my dream came true. So for for myself as a kid, but also for my my family and my parents, seeing that I was doing okay in school, but also doing okay in in a football pitch, I I guess it was a a proud moment. And after that, of course, when when teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia start asking, who is this kid? Uh, let's gonna see how he plays. Let's gonna speak with their family to see if he wants to come and join our academies. I can imagine as a parent, it's something that makes them feel proud. And, and me as a kid, I was living the dream. I do, I do question actually more for Jermaine. What? <laughs> One seems like the most humble and kind yeah. and friendly guy. Yeah. How on earth? Do you take that and then become an elite professional footballer? Is there a lot of people like that at the top level? Um, I don't... Listen, you have a... I find you had a complete mix of different people in dressing rooms. And a lot of that is down to your upbringing and, you know, what you have come through. Uh, some players don't have the support maybe that one had with the parents. Some players have managed to do it on their own and some have done it with support. I had support from my mum and dad um, as well. I do think that, you know, one is known in the game as one of the most humble footballers, which is why during his 60-second intro, he didn't mention one trophy that he'd won. Um, but that is part of the beauty, I think, of what he's probably brought to the Premier League as well. And I think there's a number of Spanish players. David Silva is another one. And those types of players leave a mark on dressing rooms when they leave. And I think they always leave a bigger mark on dressing rooms than the loud ones and the talkers. Tell me, one, how did you deal with 
the incredibly competitive nature of joining a club like Real Madrid. Just tell us about that experience. To be honest, I was afraid. I was really nervous the day that uh, I went to Madrid for the first time. Actually, Real Madrid signed me and at the same time signed one player from Real Oviedo. So I was I was living with my family and my friends like a normal kid. And then at the age of 15, I moved to, to Madrid. Um, and I always have seen Real Madrid and Barcelona and those kind of clubs when I was mm. playing for Real Oviedo, like giants on the yeah. pitch. We played against them on tournaments and things like that. And they always felt stronger, bigger, better, better looking and everything. <laughs> and, uh, and, and once once you, you go there and actually show that you can play at that level and actually that you do so good that you are one of the best in the team, even in Real Madrid and things like that, it made you feel confident about yourself. But uh, in the beginning, I was very afraid. I remember we went together, my teammate and me. And as we were traveling from Oviedo to Madrid, we were really nervous. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know if we were, if we were good enough. Um, and it was a big change because when you're 15 years old and you live in your happy bubble and you change completely and you don't have your friends with you, you don't have your family with you, it's, it's a big change. And so it was the, the first important decision in my career, I would say, because you have to develop as a person quicker than normal. You're away from your family, you're focused on football and and studying and training and improving and you don't think too much about what you're missing. So Juan, when you were 15, moving to Real Madrid, it's a big move away from your family. Did you take your studies seriously? Because you mentioned you studied and you played football. Did yeah. you take it seriously or did you think, I'm going to be a professional football player. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to get through and do what I have to do because you don't seem that type of guy. So uh, that's what I well, want to know because I'm still studying right now. Yeah, and I think it's it's very important not to only focus on football at that time. Uh, of course, it's your priority. Of course, it was the reason why I was going to Madrid. But we made a decision to go to Real Madrid Academy also because of the studies that they provided. We were living in a residence in a school. So every day we had to go to school. There was no way of skipping classes and mm -hmm. things like that. <laughs> and after that, in the afternoons and in the evenings, we, we trained. I'm grateful for that also because if I hadn't been a football player, at least I would have studies and could work in a different thing. So it's very important not to only put your eggs in one in one bag. Yeah. So yeah, respect. When do when do you get to the point where you think you need to leave Real Madrid? Because you mentioned even the fact that everyone looks like superstars there. It must have been very difficult to walk away from that idea mm. of playing for Real Madrid. Yeah. Um I spent four years there. So I was nineteen when when my contract actually expired. And I got approached by Valencia, uh, by their sports director, Amadeo Carboni, a legend of the club, uh, which he knew I was finishing my contract. And he, you know, he spoke with my dad, with myself, saying that we really believe in you. We're going to give you a, a place in the first team, a number. And, you know, we thought it was, although very difficult to, to leave uh, a club like Real Madrid, because when you are playing for Real Madrid Academy, your dream is to one day make your debut in, in Bernabeu and play for them. But it's not easy either. So we made the decision of going to Valencia and start a new chapter and and give myself a chance to challenge for a first team position in, in what it was a very good Valencia team because it was the third mm. uh, 
um, in the league, playing Champions League every year. So he definitely is one of the biggest clubs in, in Spain, of course. Um, so there I went with 19 years old to, to try my luck. Who, who was the manager there at that time? It was Kike Sanchez Flores. And then, fa- funnily enough, um, Ronald Koeman, which is now oh, in Barcelona, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was the one that really gave me the chance to play and the consistency and the confidence. Because in the beginning, with Kike, I made my debut, but I didn't play any other game. Uh, probably it was not the greatest debut in history. So it took yeah. a change of manager, and sometimes these things happen. Can you tell us about that squad, Juan? Because you played with some unreal players there. Yeah. Jermaine and I were going through the list. It's not bad, yeah. is it? You might have been safer staying at Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was a, a, a team full of internationals, yeah. most of them Spanish. But yeah, I mean, in goal we had Cañizares, which is a legend of the club. Mm-hmm. And actually he played against my dad and then he played with me, which... Is that as good? <laughs> he was 40 or 41 when we played together. <laughs> Um, and then we had Marchena, Albiol, we had Miguel from Portugal. Yeah. We have in the midfield Albel Dambaraja, which is one of the yeah. uh, midfield couples in, in the history, best midfield couples in the history of Valencia. And then up front we have Joaquin, Villa, Morientes, Silva, oh. Pablo Hernández. Then Ever Banega came after. And so we had an incredible amount yeah. of talent, of experience. and. We were actually enjoying a lot on the pitch. There was a time that I believe we were eight players or nine players from Valencia going to the Spanish national team, which was wow. at the time a, mm. a record. Uh, Erin, you've got a similar situation at Chelsea, right? You're surrounded by internationals everywhere that you look. Are you aware of the fact that at present, right now, you have this phenomenal team? Or do you kind of just take it for granted and just get into the flow of playing alongside these amazing players? Yeah, I think you have to just get in the flow, to be honest, because if you don't, you get left behind. And with so many top players, you can't afford to be worried about competition. You have to thrive on it. And it's an attitude that you have to take in order to want to play and to get in the team, because you have to believe that playing with top players is going to make you a better player. And when I believe that you got voted Valencia's best young player by the fans and the players in your first season. So you obviously relished the opportunity to play with these top players. You probably looked at them and thought, wow, they are so good, but I'm going to make sure I'm in the team with them. And that's sort of what I'm trying to do right now as well. Yeah, I felt I felt that one exactly. When, when I was playing, for example, with Villa or Morientes, Alvelda, Baraja, those players that they were already playing in first division in Spain when I was a kid, in the beginning, you see that yourself there in the dressing room and it feels a little bit weird. But after one, two, three trainings, then you are there for something and you are there to realize that you are as good as them. And if you can be even better than them, then, then your competitive nature just comes and, and, and stands out. And that's what I always try to do. When I moved to Chelsea, when I moved after to Manchester United, I was always surrounded by great players, but I always tried you know, to compete myself against them in a way, to, to prove myself and to say I am as good as them and I can perform with them mm. so we can achieve things together. I think it's very important to to have this balance between respect but also self-confidence, to know that you can perform at that level. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, the competition on a higher level as well with Spain. So you didn't make it for the 2008 European Championship winning team. 
No. How difficult was that to take for you on a personal level? And did it then spur you on? Did you want to make sure you were then going to be a part of that success in the f future? To be honest, it was never in my mind because at that time I was playing for the under-20s. So it was still a little bit uh, early for me. Um, but after that, everything came so quick, to be honest. After playing one season, I believe, in Valencia, then in the second season when I was 19, I got my first call with the, with the senior team, 2009, so straight after winning the European Championships. And from then, I, I was very lucky because, as you know, mm -hmm. 2009, we played the Confederations Cup and then 2010, the South Africa World Cup, which we won. 2012 Euro Championship, which we won. Mm. So I was, like I said before, in the right place at the right time because yeah. we won everything with the national team uh, in six amazing years. I was part of, of two of them. And to be honest, only being part of those 23 players that won the World Cup and the Euro Championship, you're there for history already. And, and so uh, I was lucky and I also I was proud of belonging to that uh, to that incredible team. I think it's the best team I have ever played. I remember in training sessions, the quality and the talent that we had in midfield. We used to do possessions in one touch. Nobody lose the ball. No, for five minutes, everyone in one touch. And that was, yeah. well, at the moment, you don't realize, but after you think, this is incredible, the talent that Xavi, Iniesta, Cesc, Busquets, Xavi Alonso, Silva, yeah. Cazola, everyone. It was just incredible. So I was, <clears throat> I was 20, 22, 24 at that time. So I was still learning. And again, this it was this balance of, okay, I know I'm still young and I know they have been playing for a long time and mm. they are in the first 11 and I have to wait for my chance. But also I was there to play. So in every single training session, I, I tried my best to be the one that was in front. Ooh. I want to know one, right? You was away with Spain at one point and you was doing the uh, the Rondo. You know, obviously yeah. where it was in this, and you nutmeg somebody with the most beautiful piece of skill and it went Albiol, crazy. Albiol, yeah. Is that what it he was? Didn't, he, didn't oh, speak, he didn't speak with me for two months. <laughs> this is what I wanted to know because it was everywhere. And I remember like watching it and going, oh my God, actually, this guy. Actually, I, I never knew who recorded that, but I oh. owe him or her a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful yeah. video. Oh, the celebrations a of, afterwards. A lot, were... of people, a lot of people still speak about it. Uh, it was nice. It was nice. It was nice, but it was even nicer that was caught on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always, <laughs> like everything. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Who, who was you competing with in that actual team? So from 2010 to two, 2012, because obviously you scored in the final against Italy uh, in yeah. the European Championships. But yeah. who, who were the players that you felt directly, I am competing with you? Well, if you take the, our midfield three, yeah. which I, I could play as a number eight, uh, there was Iniesta and Xavi Alonso. Uh, after that, if you consider that I could play as a winger, there was Silva, Cazorla, uh, Pedro, also Cesc Fabregas could play there who played as a, as a false striker sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, we were eight, eight to nine players that um, was very difficult to, yeah. to play. But only by training with them, you, you already improved. Only to see yourself in that level, it was just amazing. So I could play over 40 caps, but it was, it, it was great to be at that time with them, but it was also mm. difficult. What yeah. was your position there, Juan? Because that must be really difficult on a personal level 
to try and work out where you fit in. Do you stick mm. with your passion and want to play in your own position? Or do you try and be flexible to ensure that you get game time? I think it's, it's always nicer to adapt and better for yourself. Yeah, of course, if you can play in one certain position and you are so good at that, you probably end up playing. But when you have this kind of competition within your team, if you can play in different positions, probably you have a bigger chance of playing uh, mm. and the manager can trust you in different in different situations. So, yes, I saw myself as a could play as an eight, as a 10 and as a winger. And so that has been also important during my career because, um, as you know, football lately and over the last years, uh, the number 10 position is Changed. is a bit extinct. Yeah. yeah. So that was my position when I started to play and, and the number 10 creator where you can assist and score. But nowadays, most of us, my type of player, we have to adapt to different situations, which is playing in the right wing or left wing or, yeah. or number eight. Has that been difficult? When you was at Chelsea, for example, we haven't really moved on to that phase just yet, but you, you, you had that number 10 role kind of like nailed down, didn't you? Mm. And then like you said, mm. you fast forward to kind of now, the game's just completely yeah. changed. It's what it is, you know, it's, it hasn't been very, very difficult because at the end of the day, you, you try to adapt and you try to perform in whatever situation you or position you play in. But yes, coming back to the Chelsea times when when I played with, uh, for example, Oscar and Hazard, yeah. we played all like uh, number 10s or, yeah. or winger. It was very enjoyable to play with, with players like them. Mm. Um, or if I remember players from the past, players that were idols to me, like Totti, for example, yeah. a, a proper number 10. Aymar, uh, Aymar was another Aymar, one. Eh? Aymar, which, is, which was an idol Play. for me, uh, playing in Valencia, number 10, Riquelme, yeah. number 10. Oh Those kind of players, they're a bit extinct because football yeah. is changing in tactical point of view, but also physical point of view. Yeah, yeah agreed. Let's fast forward on then to, to talk about Chelsea because that 11-12 season must be one of the best periods of your career, right? Erin, I love the fact that you're smiling away. You know what this means. <laughs> Yeah, Get that... to enjoy the Chelsea chat for the next five minutes. I don't enjoy this chat very yeah. much. <laughs> this, 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 this killed us at Tottenham. It's a few times. Yeah, yeah, it was a few times, yeah. yeah. So, Juan, tell us, tell us when you move. Tell us about that first phase, because it felt like you won everything. To be honest, the first year started really well for me because even in my first game, my debut against Norwich, I scored straight away. I came off the bench after training with the team for two or three days, and then I came off the bench and scored. And then it wasn't a easy season in terms of results. In the Premier League, we didn't do too well. So that's why Andre Villas-Boas, which was the manager that brought me to England and that I'm very grateful to him, he, he didn't finish the season. Uh, Roberto Di Matteo took charge of the team. We ended up winning the FA Cup and the, and the Champions League that season, which was probably the best season or one of the best seasons in Chelsea's mm. history. And being part of that, playing a lot of games, I don't know, 60 games in my first year in England. And yeah, being recognised as the player of the team from the fans, uh, it was just incredible. And to end up winning the Champions League, which was the first time and, and so far the only time that Chelsea has won it, it was, it was incredible. So many people told me, you know, as, as German said before, for Spanish players, it's difficult to come to the Premier League and adapt yeah. because of the way we play. But I think we found a way of doing it uh, through our understanding of the game, players like Silva, Cazorla or myself. Even though the Premier League is a physical league, uh, there are spaces to play. And mm. 
we try to go to those gaps between midfield and defence and, and try to, to create chances and, and enjoy our football. And Is it a faster league as well? Is it a, a quicker pace of football? I think so, yeah. I think teams in Spain try to play more with, with the possession and more in a tactical approach. Uh, although it has changed because Premier League now, it has adapted also and there are many teams and many managers that you know, uh, like to play with the ball and teams like Brighton or Southampton, they are very good and they feel comfortable when they play from the back. But yes, at that time, it's, it, was, it was a big change because in the Premier League, I will say that the games after the 75th minute, they go crazy. Yeah. And then they go box to box, <laughs> chances everywhere. While in Spain, football is a bit more controlled. You know, it, it was a smooth change for me. Uh, living in London, learning also uh, or improving my English, learning a new culture. Yeah. So, one being a Chelsea player myself, being around the training ground every single day and seeing all the pictures of that night in Munich. I'm everywhere. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't mind seeing your face every day. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, Thanks. Talk to me about the final. Did you truly believe as a team that you could beat Bayern Munich? I really felt it. I really felt that it was destiny. Since early days, actually, in the competition, I think it was the last 16th, we played against Napoli yeah. and we lost 3-1 away. But I, I felt, OK, we're going to go back to London and we're going to come back. We're going to win this, this round. And then we did 4-1, I believe. After that, Benfica, also difficult. And after that, Barcelona, in which was an incredible semi-final. Um, they had a lot of chances. Uh, they missed a penalty. But, you know, we did very... Hang on, very hang on, one. Hang on, I've got to put in here. They what? missed the penalty. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was God who missed the penalty on that day. Like it was messy. This was yeah. yeah. This is a different <laughs> level of like it was meant to be on you know for Chelsea. Exactly. So in the in the early days, I was feeling okay. It's meant to be. Now after Barcelona, it was like yeah. it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Written in the stars. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even more when when you have to play the final against Bayern Munich in Munich. In Munich, yeah. I mean, we, we'd finished we'd finished fourth that yeah, season at Tottenham, me. right? And I, <laughs> we were sat there thinking, even after Barcelona, we're sat there going, yeah, "There's no way this is happening." Yeah. They've got to get through Barcelona and then buy Munich at buy Munich. Mm. And then mm. when Drogba heads that ball in, um, you're just—I <laughs> was on the sofa like, I can't believe we're not going to play in the Champions League next year. This is yeah. madness. That's true, actually. That's true. That was true. I forgot about that. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it actually, was incredible, wasn't it? Just like you said, that nature of it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It was scary. Yeah. Also in the final, when Thomas Müller scored in the, I don't know, 80 or 81st minute, I felt, OK, we still have time and we're going to have one chance to make wow. it. For real. And I, Actually, told Didier Drogba. I mean, he always he always speaks about it. When we conceded the goal and we were gonna uh, play again, he was, you know, already almost giving up. Like, yeah. okay, we're losing one nil. Okay, it's gonna yeah. be very difficult. They're gonna defend or whatever. And I told him, I look at him and I said, no, keep going because I don't know why I, I feel yeah, that feel we're gonna have the chance. And then yes, that corner came Incredible. in and everyone knows what what happened. But even after that, okay, we scored the. In the last kick of the game, we score the, the corner key with his yeah. header. Uh, we go to the extra time. And even the extra time, they miss a penalty. Miss a penalty, yeah. <laughs> uh, Peter yeah. Cech saved against Robin. 
And then Brilliant. after, even after that, <laughs> we we go to the penalty shootout, and I miss my penalty. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like at that at that time I was just crying. Please, please, Peter, just save one. Yeah, just one. You know, Amazing. after that, okay, we can win or lose, but I don't want to lose only because of my penalty. Yeah, please. Juan, did you put the corner in for yeah. Didier? Yeah. So yeah. you just given him the pep talk, saying that you're going to get a chance, and then you pop one in for him. Yeah, well, he did the difficult bit. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't I, easy, was it? You know, in 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 those moments, the only thing that was in my mind was okay, just put the ball in the box. I can't do this for too much longer. Yeah, let's I'm a on. Spurs fan. <laughs> this, is, this is just crushing me. That dropped us out of the Champions League. <laughs> no, it was special. It was, <laughs> special you know, night. Listen, like, obviously, even looking back now, don't get me wrong. As a player at the time, you're always like, oh God, you know, we're not going to play Champions League next year, but. I've always wanted English teams to win European games, no matter who they're playing. I've always like, say you're playing against Barcelona, I'm always like, I'd rather an English team win that game, you know? And yeah. even if, even though it hurt, as a purist loving the game of football, I like to see kind of the fairy tale. Do you know what I mean? It's, and seeing Drogba kind of finish his career then, I know he went back at that point, that way, yeah. was yeah. was pretty special. Yeah, yeah. And especially when you're playing against uh, 11 players plus 70,000 fans. Yeah. yeah and you have, that. I don't know how many of us, but uh, not as many, that's for sure. Let's talk a little bit about later on at Chelsea. When we get through to, say, 2014 and Jose yeah. Mourinho comes in, what changed for you in that period? Well, at the time it was a bit difficult because, as you said, the 2011, 2012, and then the next season, which probably was my best season, in terms of numbers and games played and enjoying on the pitch, which was the 13-14. Um, we won the Europa League at the end with, with Rafa Benitez as a coach and everything was going so well on a personal level. And then, yeah, Josh arrived and then he had a different uh, way of playing football or a way that was not perfect for my qualities as a, as a player. And that was it. And mm -hmm. I was not playing as much time as I used to play before. Uh, I got injured also in the preseason, so two or three things that were not uh, going into my direction, and and that was it. Um, there was never a personal problem between mm -hmm. us, like some people said at the time, and but it was also, you know, a challenge for me because having been the player of the season for two years in a row, mm -hmm. having played seventy games the season before, and feeling an important player of the group, and then after that everything changes and you have to again prove yourself which is good to develop as a player because you shouldn't take anything for granted and I didn't but yeah we I mean I didn't last very long after that in, in Chelsea. You know sometimes people don't understand that it, it it's not always a problem with managers it can just be you know our minds don't see the game the same way type of situation and Obviously, Josie Mourinho arrives at Chelsea, having won, you know, what he's won already in a game. You must have been thinking, I'm looking forward to this as well. And I, what I'm trying to figure out is, was Mourinho's style of play something that you felt it's not good for me? Or was it more of a Jose decision in terms of, I don't think when you're going to fit into the way I want to play? 
No, we didn't have a, a conversation actually about that. It was more, you know, when when games came and I was available to play, and yeah. I, I didn't play as much as before. There was your no style one... would have worked, you think? No problem. You could have adapted your game to play the way he wanted I, you to play. I, as I said before, I always try to adapt. Yeah. And and I could see that, for example, after when he came to Manchester United, that, that's yeah. a different stage of my career when. When I was here for some years already and he came to Manchester United and everyone was saying, okay, you have no future in the club, you have to leave, whatever, whatever. I, I was calm with myself because I know what I am as a player. I know my will to adapt and I'm proud that time proved me right. And I felt an important player at his time at Manchester United. So what I normally want to focus on is what I can control and my attitude, my qualities as player, my confidence is high, my physical state yeah. is high and that's it. After that, as German said and yeah. as Erin knows, it depends on the manager and you cannot control their decision. Juan, you seem to have an amazing ability to kind of almost detach yourself from the madness of football. You know, we're all in it not so easy. It's not easy to do that. But how do you do that? I mean, how are you able to remove yourself so much and talk about um, situations that must be very difficult for you with such calmness and such composure? Because a lot of other players would react very differently, I imagine. I guess it goes with your, with your personality and what do you think it's important in life, but also in your professional career. It doesn't make sense to focus too much on what other people say which you cannot control. It doesn't make sense or it doesn't make you a favor to focus on what other people is going to decide about you. Yeah. But you, it makes sense to actually put all your energy and your mind and your concentration in what you can actually change. It's not easy, for example, with all the noise that is around football, with media, social media, fans and everything that's going on around that has changed so much over the last years to be away from that and to be calm and focus on what happens on the pitch. I think we have an obligation without a doubt to grow the game. So I feel now an obligation to help, you know, all the young players coming up and so that when they're coming up it's it footballs, um especially women's football, is in an even better place for when I retire. Brilliant. It's so interesting you say that, Erin, because one, as you were saying, if you can make football the centre of everything, then I assume it makes it much more easy to focus on your game and to improve and to get better. Is that what happened when you moved to Man United? Were you able to sort of refocus and just centralise playing football and getting back on the pitch? Well, to be honest, even in the latest months at Chelsea, I tried to do that. But I was, as I was listening to Aaron, I was thinking, especially in football where it's a sport in which on a Sunday you can be up here <laughs> and on a Wednesday, as German knows, mm. you can be down here. I know that if I score a 1-0 goal and we we win on a Sunday, I'm going to be seen as the hero. And the next Wednesday I can be seen as, as, as a failure. So if you follow uh, what everyone says in social media about you when you win, you can feel yourself bigger than you are yeah. and it's not the reality. And if you follow and you see everything that they say when you miss a clear chance or you lose a game, then you're going to have trouble to sleep. Is that something that you found at United? Because they're a huge club and there's so much noise that comes with being mm. at one of the biggest clubs in the world. How did you find it there? Well, it's, it's not easy to, to manage the responsibility of, of playing for Manchester United, um, as we know. 
because all the repercussion that Manchester United has uh, in every single game, every single day, there's yeah. news about Manchester United with signing players, with uh, whatever happened on the games, and the expectations are incredibly high. So, so yeah, uh, since the first moment that I arrived to Manchester United in that helicopter in my <laughs> my presentation, uh, I felt the, the the size of the club, the stature of the club, and and every day. When I go to training every day, when I play, uh, I feel privileged and lucky to to say that I am a, a Manchester United player. I feel proud, and I sometimes it's difficult to to stop and think where I am, where I come from, everything that I have achieved in my career, and and thinking about that kid that was playing in Oviedo with my group of friends, and mm. my nickname was the football player, <laughs> and now I'm playing at Old Trafford every two weeks. Let's just talk quickly about your Europa League win because you mentioned earlier on the fact that Jose. Then... Which, which which one of them? Ah, <laughs> now he brings it up. Finally, warmed you right up for that. <laughs> so let's talk about the one at Man United uh, because it comes with Jose, right? You mentioned it earlier on. Yeah. The fact that you were able to then make your relationship work—not that there was ever a problem—but that you were able to adapt again. Um, must have been really special and it must have felt really good to be able to then lift another yeah. huge major trophy at Man United. Yeah, it meant a lot to me, to be honest. Yeah, he was the same manager, but sometimes um, the squad is different. The qualities of the player is different, so he has to play a different way. And we know that it's not... I mean, from one month to another, a lot of things can change in football. So imagine from one club to another and from some years to three years after. It's always a very nice feeling when you play a European final, uh, Champions League or Europa League, and and then you win it, because otherwise it's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. But it meant a lot for me to feel an important player and to play, for example, in in those finals from the beginning with him as a manager, of course. Mm. Juan, let's go on and talk about the moment where you've been sort of faster than anyone, where you thought faster than anyone and it's made magic happen on the pitch. We kind of want to know your your greatest hits, your best moments. I cannot say any moment against Tottenham, right? No. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, they're <laughs> no, Of course you can. They're of course you yes, can. you can. <laughs> of course you, you can. can. No, it was, it was only joking. Um, <laughs> the first uh, memory that comes to my mind is when we played with Manchester United away at, at Anfield against Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I scored that bicycle goal, and then yeah. also a first uh, goal in the in the first half. I have to say that that day felt that everything was flowing. Scoring two goals, scoring especially that goal at Anfield away, winning the game, it was uh, one of my best days as a, as a Manchester United player. So that has to be one. Yeah. Um, another one. What we said before is when I scored in the final of the Euro Championship against yeah, Italy. Yeah. It was nice also because I was only for two or three minutes on the pitch. So mm. my second or third touch, it was that goal. And it closed a very special moment in, in Spain's history, talking about football, because we won that final 4-0 against Italy. Yeah. And we won with style. And my goal was the last one mm. that that time. So, so it was very nice to, to score. You know the topic of speed, though, when, right? So mm. people think, obviously... You're going to come to the Premier League, 
what are the things that Juan Mata might struggle with? He might struggle with the pace of the league. Mm. He might struggle with the strength of the league. Have you always been a, a fast thinker? Have you always been somebody with a, that speed of thought, thinking way ahead of everybody else? I think so. That's what my dad used to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> he used to tell me when I was a kid, everyone was running, following the ball, and I was thinking and going away from the ball sometimes to receive yeah. the ball with more space. And it was when I developed as a player that I realized, okay, um, this is the way I play mm. and this is the way I can affect the game. Yeah. I understand that so many people now speak about physicality and speed and how quick he is. But for me, the speed of thought yeah. is as important, if not more, mm. than the actual physical speed. Because what moves the quickest in, in a football pitch is the ball. So if you have the ability to think before you receive the ball, then that's sometimes much more effective than running 20 meters with the ball, 100%. even if you do it so quick. And that has always been a foundation or a key part of my game. Yeah. And without that, of course, I would not have been a football player, but <laughs> I have that. Juan, let's fast forward then into the next chapter. What comes next for you? What do you still want to do? What's, what's next for me? Um, yeah. Just keep playing and enjoying as much as I can on, on the football pitch. Um, every day I still wake up with, with hunger to train, to be with my teammates and to, to push my limits, to be a better player and, and to enjoy. Because sometimes when you have been playing professional football for a long time and then it's not easy to enjoy uh, because the competitive levels are so high and the demands are high. So I always tell to myself, you know, just try to play like that kid in Asturias played with, with their friends and and I'm doing that at the moment. So I will keep playing until I still feel that. And and when my mind and my body are tired, then, then I will move on. Although football has been developing and changing in the physical side, I, I don't rely on my physicality to play. I rely on my, my understanding of the game. So that's why I think I still can play for for some time, uh, so I will try keeping doing that. So Juan, you've had this illustrious career so far and you're not finished like you said, but what strikes me from just listening to you is how much you want to make a difference. Co-founding Common Goal whilst you are playing for one of the top teams in the Premier League as well must be hard, but is that something that you want to also continue in the next stages of your career off the field? Yeah, it's definitely something that I will keep do after after even playing football. Having the chance to to start a movement like Common Goal, in which we players and everyone from professional football world try to to connect what I understand as the two worlds of football, which is professional football and football for for change as a social tool for change. So I'm I'm very proud of what we have achieved over the last three years with the movement, with the many players that have joined, and it's it's a legacy for the future. So. In a way, it gives you a deeper meaning of what being a professional football player is. Forget the trophies, forget the victories and everything like that. But if you can really make a change into so many people's lives, then I will be very happy with, with it. It's a few years down the line, more than a few years. You're 39, about to turn 40. Yeah. Are you sat in front of the back four for Real of Oviedo pulling the strings? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Are you in front of that back four just pulling the strings and just still enjoying football or what? With one condition only. What's that? 
You the like, manager. I was yeah. gonna say, Mike, the manager. Yes. Yeah. You bring me along. I'll be there. No problem. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. right. Final section. Fast is too slow. We want to quiz you now on all about the speed of the mind. So we've picked out your stats from 2009 when a certain Jermaine Genus oh. was also on FIFA with you. And Erin now is going to quiz you okay. to see who knows whose stats were better at that time. 2009. 2009. Was that a good era for you? 2008-9 was all right for me. Yeah, okay, bit of confidence. Yeah. We beat Chelsea not, in the League Cup, didn't we? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. That's not fair, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was my first year yeah, as a yeah, professional. Yeah. I think. Hey, I'm not that old. Come on, come on, man. Okay, Erin, <laughs> have you got the right. stats oh, ready to go? God, I've got good. them at the ready. So, first is composure. Who oh. is higher or lower? So, Juan, you can go first. Do you reckon you are higher or lower than Jermaine for composure? Lower. Really? That's got to be a big part of your game plan. You're just being nice. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm going to say one's higher than me for that. So if he's saying lower, I'm taking the point. I'm going to win this one. <laughs> well, actually, both wrong. And what? it's a draw. You are oh, really? both, okay. both okay. 79 on okay. Decent stats as well. Yeah, I had a bit of composure. So, we can work on that. Both of you, give yourself a bit of credit, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. Little partner, but thank We're you. We're warming up. Only we warming are. up. We are. That, <laughs> see? So, next one up, and Wan's been talking about it in the podcast, reactions. Oh, reactions. So, if you don't have the physicality... Is that even have, measured? Reactions. I was going to say, reactions. Is that is that like in the mind or is it like on the ground, the speed to react to something? So reactions is actually a thing, yeah? Yeah, I yeah. reckon we're going reaction time. And who's yeah. quickest? So who's reaction got the better reaction time. speed? Yeah. Again, I, I, go, I, I go with him. Yeah, I think I might take this one then. Yeah, if it's I, speed, yeah. I would have gone Jermaine as well here. Yeah, correct. Jermaine <laughs> is 81, one yeah. matter 76. Mate, you yeah. had some good stats back in the day. Mate, 2008-9 was a decent year, I told you. <laughs> that was before the injuries. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> right, next one up, we've got ball control. Oh, yeah. One wins this one all day. With the left or with the right? Oh, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. <laughs> that's a fair point. Okay, I take this one. I take this one. And if either of us has... Less than 80, I don't speak anymore. Yeah, this is fair. This is fair. <laughs> this is true. We've got one matter wins is um, higher than Jermaine. One matter at 81 and Jermaine okay. 79. Criminal. Oh, what? It's done you over there. That's a liberty. Outrageous. I should be in the 80s all day long. <laughs> all right, okay. Nah, FIFA 2009 ain't giving you guys justice. I'm no, no, no. It's a dodgy, it's a dodgy so, era. Yeah. It's a dodgy one. Last one up. Dribbling. Oh, this is a tricky one. Dribbling. I tell you what, at that time, I was a left winger at Valencia going down the wing. Oh, was you? So, oh, so I right. might have, That's I nice might to know. have something. I'll give it to him anyway, but yeah. Once he's too, so nice. He is too nice, isn't he? But if he's a left winger dribbling, he surely he's got to be higher. Surely. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Wan on this one. I think he's, as a left winger, he's got to be higher. Yeah. One. 81 and Jermaine 76. Come on, one. Give yourself a bit of credit, yeah? Okay. That's fair. That's fair. fair, (laughs) Juan, it's been such a pleasure spending a bit of time with you. Um, 
And it's always really, really nice when you hear people say, oh, this is one of the nicest footballers you'll ever meet and one of the kindest people you ever meet. And, and then you are. sit down the whole time and you're all just... Lies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I would know if there were some bad stories, Wan. Don't try it. <laughs> I would find Th out. Thanks for not telling them here. Yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> we'll save them for later on. But thank you so much. It's been a massive pleasure and um, hopefully we'll speak to you again very soon. You've been listening to the Adidas X podcast with original music by Safari Youth. This series is produced by 90min and See Here Content.